everybody. Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensi. Tim, how's it going, sir? Uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, I actually just came home from dinner with Chelsea because uh, we had like some fish fried rice leftovers and they kind of went bad in the fridge. Wait, you're not saying the rainbow soup? It's not as bad as Rainbow Soup 2. Because, like, Rainbow Soup 2 was... I basically had a garbage bag full of minestrone that went. Jesus, Tim. What is it about with you and cooking, man? First you had Rainbow Soup 2, and now you had the fish fried rice? It's hubris. It's terrible, man. So, Tim, let's talk about today's episode. Because today's episode is Season 3, Episode 22, in chronological order. Episode 76, the Bonk's Mullet Edition. So, just a little backstory about Bonk's Mullet. The blog was started by Eric Doughty in the spring of 2013, following a brief stint as writer for Silver 7 Sens. The blog became a fan favorite among Sens Twitter and Sens fans, with a number of writers writing for the site, including Stephen Hickson, who is also known as Steve on Sens, Matty Go Sens, and the site's more well, most well-known writer nowadays, Ben Milks, also known as Brian 5 or 6. So, Tim, I know, if I'm not mistaken, I think you were a reader as I was of Bonk's Mullet back in the day. So, when talking about Bonk's Mullet as a blog, like, what kind of memories do you have about it back in the day? Uh, I think the big thing is, is it's, the content was always a bit shitposty, which is what I found fun. But, as much as I like the content, I think Brian has definitely, like, I think in both terms of frequency and quality, I think Brian 5 or 6 has definitely eclipsed the former, the site he used to work on. Well, in fairness, I mean, Brian 5 or 6, and we could talk all day about the Eric Carlson rant, but even back in the day, like, reading his blog post, you were kind of reading it, and for me, it was one of those, either you got it or you didn't. And I was sort of in the middle. I didn't exactly know how to take retake it and look at it, and I'm reading like, oh, okay. Um, oh, come on. Mark thought is my best friend is... Uh... It's an all-time classic. I'm not saying that's not an all-time classic, but there's just some posts he would write, and I'm like, eh, okay. And then, of course, like the Eric Carlson rant came along, and I watched that, and I was like, oh, I totally get it now. It only took me, you know, how many freaking years. Yeah. No, but it's just kind of that irreverent fun that a lot of the sense blogs, like Welcome to Your Carlson years, kind of had that as well as what just made it fun to read, and that... Uh, does make sense social media participation a bit more lighthearted and, that, and it's good to see that like guys like Brian are still doing it absolutely and of course we can't forget that Eric who founded the blog is also still on Twitter under Bonk's Mullet that's a Twitter account yeah so Tim we gotta bring up next week's cover athlete poll because next week's episode is season 3 episode 23 in chronological order episode 77 the Joe Corvo edition of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. You mean Joe freaking Corvo? Joe freaking Corvo, bud. The second tenure, though, not the first one, where he was number seven. No, this is... I I don't even remember much about that tenure, to be honest. Which one, the first or the second? Second. Yeah, it's true. It, and we can talk more about this next week, but it's funny. It seems like the second tenures of... Players who played on the 06 or 07 Senators, I couldn't tell you much about it. Like, 
he had a second tenure with it. Mike Comrie had a second tenure with us. I don't really remember either of those. I remember they were a member of the team, but I don't remember them actually, you know, being players and stuff. I forgot Mike Comrie even had a second stint with the Senators. He did, many, many years later. Oh, eight oh nine, huh? Yeah. So before we that go was on, a bad season too. Oh, I know that that was a hard year too because. That was a year, I think that's when Sens fans really begin to realize, like, oh, we're not the same Sens team that's going to make the playoffs every year. Well, that was the, 0809, was that the, that was the year Heatley was traded, right? That was Heatley's last year, so that spring is when he requested the trade, was going to go to Edmonton, next it, fans hated him, and then he got traded to San Jose for Milan McCulloch. Yep, and then... I think that's also when we sent uh, Antoine Vermette out of town and had uh, starting goalie Alex Allholt. <laughs> I know. God, that was a <laughs> I know. And then, of course, the next year we had starting goalies Alex Allholt and Pascal Leclerc. Fuck. So, Tim, before we go on to talking about our previous episode and recap our week and all the good stuff we're going to talk about, <clears throat> I'm actually very happy that we get to talk about... We And we also get to have... Bonk Smalley be our cover athlete because as some of you may have noticed on our Twitter page at third level on Twitter that when I announced who the cover athlete was going to be I added a picture of me in a erotic bonk jersey and somebody who was standing next to me huh. there is a story behind that that picture is from 2016 and that's a picture of me Next to Eric Dottie, who is Bonk Smollett. And like I said... Is there a story behind that photo? Yeah, that oh, is? yes. there's. Yes, this is the very first time I've actually ever told this story on the program. But yes, there is a story involved with that picture. So we're going to go back here a couple of years. So that was taken... Oh, God, what year was it? It was 2016 in October. The Sens were playing the Canucks in Vancouver. That day, I took on the ferry over from Nanaimo to Vancouver to catch the game. And so I'm sitting on the ferry terminal in my Sens jersey, kind of looking around and whatever. And I just tweeted, I says, sitting at the ferry terminal in Nanaimo, still no sighting of at Bonk's Mullet. Now, Bonk's Mullet actually liked that. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So anyway, got on the ferry, you know, had my lunch, whatever, caught the bus in downtown to my hotel, had a couple drinks down at the bar, having a good time. And then we, I headed off to the game. And the Sens actually won 3 nothing in that game, I believe. Who scored that? Nice. I think... Dezingle had two, and I think I think it was Pajot. I think Pajot had the empty netter. So that was a pretty not too that's so that wasn't too bad. And so keep that in mind when I was talking about like I tweeted at Bonk Smollett. I had also tweeted a picture at him and be like, hey at Bonk Smollett, I'm gonna be at the game tonight wearing this jersey. If I see you, I'll definitely say hi, whatever. Now I completely forgot that I tweeted that at the game. Yeah. Because as I mentioned, I was at the bar having a few drinks. You're a few Went to the Canucks game, had a couple more drinks, and this is not like your regular, you know, $8, you know, draft beers. This is $16 tall craft beers. So I was having a pretty good buzz going at this point, and so completely forgot that I tweeted them, whatever, sends one. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. Get out of Rogers Arena. I was going to go up to the Gamer Bar in Vancouver. I think it's 
the e I think it was called EXP. EXP. EXP bar. And so I was on my phone, typed it into my phone, and I'm following the directions. I'm walking up the street, and I hear somebody from behind me yell out, Hey, bonk. So I kind of stopped. I'm thinking, okay, I'm the only guy wearing a rag bonk jersey. I stop. I turn around, and there's this guy running up towards me. Now, here's the funny thing. This is my first time in Vancouver by myself. So I'm thinking one of two things. Either I'm going to have to knock this guy out, or this is just like, oh, man, that's such a cool old Radic Bonk jersey you're wearing. 50-50 chance this guy's going to get knocked out. And so the guy runs up to me, and he's all excited. He goes, hey, man, how are you? And I was like, oh, yeah, good, whatever. And he goes, yeah, hey. Hey, I gotta ask you, did you tweet at Bonk Smollett earlier today? I was like, oh. I was like, I'm like, okay, I don't know how the hell you know that, but all right. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I tweeted at him, whatever. And he just looks at me and goes, yeah, I know, that was me. I'm Bonk Smollett. And I was like, <laughs> no fucking way. Are you serious? He's just like, yeah, man, I are you? I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he stops, he turns around and goes, guys, guys, look, we found him. And I was like. I'm sorry, what? He's and so I walked down the street and Eric was there with his wife and a few other people he was with. One of them actually was on this podcast a couple of times, Tim. Mr. Trevor Shackles. Nice. So that night, I believe the group was Eric, his wife, Trevor was a part of that. Uh Ryan Classic on Twitter, if you know him, he was a part of that group too. And a couple other people, and I'm just thinking, oh, man, this is so cool and whatever. And we got a picture taken, you know, as you saw on Twitter. And I'll add this on the SoundCloud account, too, when I put the episode up. So that's like, oh, man, that's so cool. And he's tweeting that out. And I was going to walk away, head up to the bar. And he goes, hey, man, do you want to join us? We're going to this place called the Kingston Hotel or whatever it's called. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. So we go up there. Now, keep in mind, I didn't know Trevor or Ryan was part of this group. I just knew Eric. Yeah, yeah. So we go up there, we're bullshitting, and this guy is sitting in front of me, and I'm talking, and somebody mentioned, they're like, oh, yeah, he's just, oh, yeah, Shackles, whatever. And I just started, I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. Are, are you Trevor Shackles from Silver Seven Cents? He's like, yeah. I was like, are you serious? What? And he's just looking at me like, yeah. He's like, oh, okay. I'm like, oh, holy crap. Like, I can't believe this. Like, I'm just like, here's... Box Mullet on my left. Here's Trevor Shackle sitting in front of me. And Ryan Classic's on my right. And we're talking about gaming or whatever. And I don't know why I had this stupid idea in my head. I wanted to get those guys to sign my Bonk jersey. Don't know why. To this day, I still do not understand why I thought that. And they're like, no, no, no. It's cool, man. And whatever. And Eric's just like, dude, you don't want me to sign it. You should get the, the man himself to do it. So I was like, ah. I was like, all right, whatever. Put the jersey on. Went back to my hotel room, you know, and slept it off. Had to get on the ferry the next morning. And I saw that picture was on on my notifications. And I responded like, hey, guys, it was so nice meeting you. I really apologize for acting like such a fanboy last night. And Trevor responded thinking, no, man, it was cool. It was great meeting you. I was like, oh, that's so fucking cool. And I got back home and I was like, oh, man, I still can't believe I met those guys last night. I can't believe I was really drunk. That just makes it funnier, to be honest. It was, oh god, it was funny. Oh my god, even looking back, it's a little embarrassing to think of it now, but still, looking back, it's still kind of funny. And give it, now, now keep this in mind. I met those guys in October 2016. 14 months later, 
Mr. Radic Bonk signed that jersey. They were right. And I retired it, and I sent Bonk Smollett the picture. I'd be like, this beauty's retired, and all he responded was, aren't you glad I didn't sign it? <laughs> oh, God, that was so funny. And you know what? I swear, if we ever get Bonk Smollett on the show, I want to fucking bring that story up. Because I just want him to be like, you were such a dumbass. <laughs> oh, God, that was funny. What if he was, like, more drunk than you were? I don't know. Maybe we can should, should get him on the show sometime and find out. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. So, Tim, let's quickly talk about last week's episode because... Overall, I thought the episode turned out pretty good, to be perfectly honest with you. No, understandably, I was looking at the stats, and we had a 50% drop in listens. Now, that's pretty fair, given that it wasn't our trade deadline episode, but it was the first episode of Tank Bowl. So I'm a little disappointed the listens were there. So I got to ask the question about last week's episode. Overall, how do you feel that episode turned out on your end? You know, I did enjoy talking about Bobby Ryan's return, but at the same time, it's like, it was what it was. That's true. That is true. Actually, I told—I actually kind of forgot we were talking about Bobby Ryan last week. But, no, it was a really decent episode. I really like the fact that somebody, I think, did respond about Bobby Ryan. I can't remember who off the top of my head. But I thought that was really cool. And I love the fact that that story, while it was never on the media level that the David Era story was, I still feel this is a really feel-good story for the NHL given that where he started to where he is now. Yeah, and I think it's a, a rare win for the NHL's, uh, like any of their substance abuse or player assistance programs, because you only hear about them when they don't work. Yeah, or you hear stories, and in the case of uh, uh, the fuck, uh, Joe Murphy, because he was talking about in the feature at Sportsnet did on him a couple of years ago, that after his career, he had reached out and they basically said, yeah, well, you know what? We can't do anything for you. You're not a player in the NHL anymore. And that was it. Didn't even yeah. help him. So, no, I totally understand what you're saying, that this was a rare win for the, the NHL and the PA substance abuse program when it works. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see, but there's still work to be done. There is. And you know what? And I was thinking about this today because it would be... Eh, about a year ago, next month, we had Ian Mendes on the show. And there was a question that, or there's something he actually brought up about do-overs. We talked about Ray Emery, and we talked about Danny Healy. With everything that happened to Bobby Ryan since he joined Ottawa to now, I would like to ask Ian if he thinks Bobby Ryan would like to have a do-over as a senator. You know, it may sound callous, but I'm not... I'm not sure that's something you can really have a do-over with, you know? Well, I... Because it's just such a... Like, the trauma and healing process are... They are what they are. They are, but I mean... I'm thinking more of how his performance was on the ice and the criticism that the fans gave to him. And not just because of his contract, but what he was on the ice and what he was perceived to be off the ice... If you were to take away isolated incidents like the 2017 playoffs, for example, or the rare exceptions where he showed up and just dominated every night, a couple of nights in a, in a row. But no, I think that would be, and I, I totally see where you're going with that, but I think that would be one that 
maybe that's kind of a gray area for Bobby. Maybe he feels that he had to go through that in order to get where he is now. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's not like he can control his hands getting busted up. That's true. That is true. Oh, like, yeah, that is... I don't think, like, as much... I'm sure everyone would be like, if given the chance, be like, yeah, I wish I could, you know, not get injured, not have trauma. But it's it is what it is, right? Exactly. So, Tim, let's recap our week because you were talking about your possible Rainbow Suit Part 2, but I'm going to do a rare option here, and I'm actually going to go first and talk about my recap week because it was actually my birthday this past week. I saw. Happy hey, birthday, bud. Thank you. Thank you. It's, you know, 28 feels okay. You know, I'm just, you know, hopefully uh, dementia is not setting in. I mean kind of suck if it's setting in but you know hope that's not the case but you know 28 has been okay i mean how i spent my first couple of hours of being 28 was in a dentist chair i have not been to the dentist in seven years yeah now the nice thing about where i work is that i have full dental full medical so i was able to go to the dentist and I went to the dentist, and I hadn't been in seven years, so I had to fill out all in my information and whatever I had to do. And I'm sitting there, and the dental hygienist had to scrape my teeth for an hour just to get the plaque and all the crap off. And afterwards, she looks at me, and she goes, well, you know, that okay, so we're all done. I'm just seeing your, your gums are a little inflamed. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, no fucking shit. I wonder why I've been sitting here for an hour with you scraping at my teeth. No wonder my gums are inflamed. Yeah, I was pretty bad for uh, for the dentist, but when I was moving about, so uh, I think between when I left, um, sorry, when I left Victoria and when I moved to uh, Calgary, and even a year after that, yes, yeah, so it was like five years between me going to the dentist. Yeah, and especially if you move around, because then you have to go find a dentist and fill out your information, and then when you move, you have to tell them that you're moving. It's just- Worst. And, and then I had a shit dentist <laughs> when I went to Cal- the first one I went to in Calgary, so that he fucked up a filling. So that was another year between dentist visits. Ooh, that's yeah. I, man, I gotta say, in all the years I've ever been to the dentist, I've never had a dentist fuck up one of my fillings. Yeah, dude, uh, dude missed the anesthetic three times. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so I told him, "Fuck it, go for it." Oh man, so you were feeling it too. Yeah. And then the anesthetic comes, sorry, the freeze comes in, and uh, for like three, four hours afterwards, I can't talk. or re- And I was like really hungry because I didn't eat before I went to the dentist. So then I was trying, like, and I came home, and uh, Chelsea, I had, Chelsea and I had planned the meal the day before, and it was fucking stir fry. <laughs> Thinking like a retard, like that would be a good idea. So then, uh, we're like, okay, we're buying something soft. It's like, no, you need calories first. So we poured Coca-Cola into my frosted mouth. And it's like, most of it's going in, but some of it's kind of dribbling out the fucking frozen side. Or was, okay, do you remember, there was a movie about 15 years ago called Christmas with the Cranks? Yes. D- did you ever watch that movie? Didn't Miss Murphy make us watch it once? Uh, maybe. I vaguely remember us watching it in class. Okay. There was a scene in that movie where Tim Allen's character had um, 
he had a, uh, like fucking work on his face. No, he was Botox. He had Botox, and so he couldn't chew and fucking swallow. And you were talking about the Coca Cola. All I was thinking is when he's taking a sip of water, and just fucking spills all over it out of his mouth. Yeah, and it was actually it was funny because uh, I was walking back from the dentist, and I uh, ran into someone that I used to work with back at UVic, and hadn't seen them in about five years, but was still like, "Hey, it's nice. I'd love to catch up, but I can't talk. What do you mean?" I physically cannot talk as the as the freeze it gets worse. Oh man, oh that is brutal. Yeah, like the work and like the sh- like the absolute shyster in me is like absolute. It's like there's a Jean Chrétien joke here. There's a Jean Chrétien joke. I'm like, dude, that dude had a stroke. We can't make that joke. I mean, you still could. It would be tasteless, but you could still make it. I mean, has that stopped you before? <laughs> So anyway, just continuing on. So I went to the dentist, you know, got my cleaning, whatever. Went home, had a couple bowls of sugary cereal because that's what you do at 28 years old after going to the dentist for an hour is eat sugar. But anyway, so moving forward, I had to go to the, I had to go to work that day. And uh, one of my work besties, who's actually one of our bakers, made me a homemade ice cream cake for my birthday. And oh, I, I saw that thing. Now the funny thing is, like, like I asked for nothing for my birthday. Because I'm like that. I don't ask for anything. I don't make a big deal on my birthday. Like, we had a party on Saturday, and nobody showed up. We didn't necessarily, we didn't go anywhere. We were hanging out at one of our friends' places. But I was like, all right, whatever. You know, I understand this person's working. They can't do it. That person's not a drinker. Whatever, right? So, okay, that's cool. But, no, I was very, very happy to get that ice cream cake made for me. And I was, and I wanted nothing. And I, but I like ice cream cake on my birthday. It's the only time of year I will ever get an ice cream cake. And so my work bestie, Krista, thanks, Chris, made me the ice cream cake. And here's the funny thing. She made it. She put it in our big freezer at work to let it set. She oh, took no. it out a half an hour, give or take, before we went on break. So this is about 2 o'clock. We had break at 2.30. It was still rock solid. Krista had to get the chef's knives, like, in, sitting in boiling water, Pressed as hard as she could into that ice cream cake. That was the only way we can get that thing cut. Oh, fuck, dude. Oh, God. But you know what, though? I have to say, I don't know if I can go back to DQ Dairy Queen cakes, man. I don't know if I can go back to their ice cream cakes. That thing was that good. It was like, oh, God. Mmm, so good. Like, I'd ask you to mail me a piece, but... <laughs> oh, I know. It was so, so good. Oh, man. Sorry, I'm just thinking about it right now. <clears throat> So yeah, that was my birthday, and me and one of my buddies went out for a couple beers afterwards, and didn't really do anything. I got uh, a couple calls from my nieces, wished me happy birthday, and that really made me happy, so I'm, nice. so I'm happy about that. And then, of course, we're into spring break now, so I had to come in early the next day, whatever, and clean up and whatever, so that was fine. And then, of course, Saturday, went out to one of my friends' place for my birthday, which no one showed up for but then you know i understand why and everything you know people have their own lives so we just got drunk and played yahtzee instead nice not a bad boy yahtzee i like yahtzee man i've been playing that since i was a kid okay yeah that just seems like kind of a, like an off the wall like out of left field choice true but you know what though like i hadn't played yahtzee in a little while and like i said i've been i've been playing yahtzee since i was a kid going to my grandma's place and so i always hold yahtzee very close to my heart Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it was a fun night. I mean, you know, drank a box of beer, woke up the next morning, didn't feel hungover, didn't feel sick, went to bed and had a nap for a couple of hours. 
course. Yeah. So given that I just recapped my week, Tim, I gotta ask the all important question. How has your week been? You had to get the sink unclogged again. Oh god, what did you do to the sink, Tim? Uh it's amazing what will clog these fuck this fucking thing. Uh we got it like we got it undone this morning. Okay. And uh it was like a clump of hair, like maybe a third the size of a dime. Yeah, hair doesn't really take much to do that for a drain, though. No, so, like, at this point, I'm like, you know, fuck it, I'm getting the stupid... I'm getting the sink shroom. I've ha- I've, I've, I'm done dealing with this shit. Just shove that fucker in my sink and I'm done with it. I'm sorry, what did you do to your sink? Okay, so you can buy, like, this thing from Amazon that's basically, a, like, a, a metal catcher that catches hair so it doesn't go down the drain, but you take out the stopper and shove it in instead. Oh, okay. Okay, I, I didn't was like, really hear that part. I'm too lazy to just... Yeah, because, like, that morning, I was like... Like, Chelsea tried to plunge it. It didn't work. So I came home from uh, hanging out with friends that evening. I was like, you know, fuck it. I'll deal with it in the morning. So uh, I wake up. I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat something and then go deal with the sink. So I go plunge it. That So before I plunge it, I t- disassemble the sink, take out the stopper, uh, reassemble it, then plunge it. That doesn't do anything. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to take the trap off. The trap doesn't come off because I guess I did redid the nut too tight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the trap wasn't coming off, and then the PVC pipe came out of the wall. Now I gotta ask when you're talking about you fixing your sink, Tim. Did the song "Now You're a Man" play from Orgasmo? No. Oh, come on! That's oh, see, it was wasted the opportunity. Enthusiasm theme. No, no, Tim. We don't use the Kirby Enthusiasm theme for stuff like that. When you fix stuff around the house, you get to play Now You're a Man. Yeah, so that uh, the pipe came out of the wall. I'm like, fuck. Oh, okay, so, yeah, uh, that's definitely a Kirby Enthusiasm thing then. So I'm like, nice but wait, there's, there's shit here too. So I use, I think I was at the point where I'm like, I don't even care anymore. So I start cleaning the shit out of the pipe with my hand. Basically, just like soap residue. Right. I was going to say, I'm surprised you guys, like, do you guys have a snake or something to, you could put down the drain first? We don't have a snake. We just got the building handyman to snake the fucker. Eventually, after, like, I couldn't get the sink reassembled, so, like, I ended up having to hold, like, where the trap should have been in place that Chelsea got the sink, like, realigned properly, and then we screwed it all back together. Okay. And that took, that took some fighting. So, like, the first three hours of my Saturday was assembling and disassembling a fucking sink. <laughs> was it as big of a pain in the ass as your guys' couch from Ikea? The couch actually wasn't bad at all. The bed was the fucker. Okay, was that the, was that the one that we were t- you were talking, you were telling me about that you bought it from Ikea and you and Chelsea had a bit of a fuck of a time to put it together? You mean, uh, the one, the one that started off with, uh, Chelsea's like, oh, I'll do the beds. Like, we should split the chores, so I went and did the, yeah, I did the porch furniture while she was doing the bed, and the bed made, like, no progress because it was a two-person job, and I was outside and had the sets game on while I was building the table, and the table was done, then I looked at the sets game, it was four nothing rangers, like, well, that's enough of that. You know what, and here's something I want to put out to the listeners, if you listeners can go back in our history over the last three seasons and find that specific episode... It's not there. 
It's a demo episode. Oh, is it really? Oh man, I thought it was one of our uh, like season one episode. No, it's a demo episode because it was play- it was the playoff Rangers recap that we. Ever oh, did. okay, okay, yeah, 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 you people wouldn't know that one. No, but it's it's just <laughs> funny that it's like that is the exact situ- the situation was I looked because Benjad had scored a-, a few goals. I was like, oh, that's enough of that. Step inside, leave one of the. Ch- I think I had one. The stool was unfinished, but it wasn't hard to build anyway. And Chelsea's like, this is not working, and then it took another four hours. So, like, we started building at, like, 5 p.m. Right. No, we weren't done until midnight. Man, that's married life for you, hey, Tim? It's don't buy a bed from Ikea life. Yeah. Well, you know what, Tim? You know what's better than buying a bed from Ikea, though? Segwaying into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Nice. So, Tim, you know how I feel about starting Top of the Hour with a death. This episode, we are starting off with a death. And it's actually a pretty big one, because we haven't had one of these big deaths for a while. Montreal Canadiens great and Hockey Hall of Famer Henri Richard passed away at age 84 following a battle with Alzheimer's disease. Richard played parts of 20 seasons with the Canadiens from 1955 until his retirement in 1975, recording 358 goals, 688 assists for 1,000 46 points in 1,256 games, winning 11 Stanley Cups as a player from 1956 to 1960, 65, 66, 68, 69, 71, and 73. Richard was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1975. God, I can't believe I was fumbling through that. Jesus. Yeah, but what's amazing is this is a guy who has, like, over a thousand points in over a thousand games, and somehow the only individual award he ever won was the Masterson. No, you know what's really amazing, Tim? The fact that Henry Richard won more Stanley Cups than anybody else as a player, and that's a record that will stand forever. That will never be broken again. Eleven Stanley Cups as a player. Yeah. Despite yes. that, he will always be remembered as somebody's younger brother. And yeah, that, it's like, the dude was a very good player in his own right, and he's just, outside of the Cups, that, that Masterson trophy, he was, I don't think he'll ever properly be recognized for it. No, especially when you think of the the very, very large shadow that his older brother, Maurice Richard, casted over him in Montreal. Exactly. So, Tim, we also want to give a quick shout-out to Minnesota Wild forward Eric Stahl, who has been granted a leave of absence due to a death in the family. Stahl has recorded 19 goals, 28 assists for 47 points in 66 games for Minnesota this season. Yeah, it's one of those things where your heart goes out for him. For sure. And you know what? Like, He's not the only player who's taken a leave of absence due to a death in the family. Earlier this season, we, did, we saw it with Marc-Andre Fleury. We saw it with a couple other players. But... It's funny because didn't we? Because this is the second week in a row we've talked about Eric Stahl, and I actually went back and I looked at his stats with Minnesota. Is it's amazing how good he's been for the Minnesota Wild? Like he really re, re his, the rebirth of his career really happened with the Wild. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's uh, you kind of wonder about it because it 
like I think one of the big things was uh, it looked like it was just an off year in Carolina. Because like the fancy stats were still good, the points per hour were still were still good at thirty, and then everything just kind of falls off the page. Yeah, because he went to the Rangers and he basically flatlined as a New York Ranger. Yeah, and it was just a rental that like it was like things were going sideways in Carolina, and then got worse with the Rangers, and then all of a sudden he's back Minnesota, and uh, it's back. So it was just like that. Thirty one wasn't a good year for him. It wasn't, but at least, you know, post-31 looked pretty good for him so far. Yeah, and it's there's no sign of slowing down. Like, he's not as, like, absolutely prolific as he was as he used to be in the Ozone, but he's still a first-line forward. And it looks like if he keeps going at this rate, he might play until he's 40. Pittsburgh Penguins captain Sidney Crosby became the sixth player in NHL history to record 800 career assists in fewer than 1,000 games during their game versus... Ottawa, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. Crosby, Wait, how has Sidney Crosby not played a thousand games yet? Well, you give or take. I mean, you know, in fairness to him, he he was almost off for a year with that concussion problem. It's true, but it's just kind of mind-boggling that he's kind of been like a staple of hockey discussion for almost two decades now. Yeah, Crosby drafted first overall by the Pittsburgh Penguins in two thousand five. Has recorded four hundred sixty goals, eight hundred assists for. 1,260 points in 980 games at the time of the record. You know what's funny, Tim? And we've been doing this show for three seasons, and the last several months we've been talking about Ovi Tracker and or Ovi Watch and Thornton Tracker and all that good stuff, but Sidney Crosby's not exactly a player that we talk about a ton on this show. And my honest feelings with Sidney Crosby is, like, I've never been a Crosby fan. I think he's a fantastic player. But he's one of those guys, there is no gray area with Crosby. Either you love him or you do not like him at all. And he's been like that since the day he arrived. And regardless of what you may think of him as a player or the Penguins, you cannot deny the talent that Sidney Crosby has as a player. And that's something that we, like you said, he's been in discussion for hockey for two decades. He's been in the NHL since 2005. That's been 15 years. Now, now, look, I'm a little biased because, you know, the Penguins are Sens fans. We're Sens fans. The Pens always kills in the playoffs. But you know what? Crosby is one of those guys where even if you hate him as a Penguin, you love him when he plays for things like Team Canada and those sort of events. Well, it's because he always brings it. And, like, it's a delight to watch the guy. And as much as it's like, yeah, he's Crosby. But that golden goal is probably one of the biggest hockey moments of the millennium and it would have been absolutely bizarre if it happened to anyone else and you know what we actually blew it on last week's episode because last week on february 28th it was the 10 year anniversary of the golden goal it's interesting though because we have we were talking about the golden goal in and around that episode especially with the nhl's uh top list of the decade because it was that like how true. the Golden Goal couldn't be it. Yeah, and then we, we made the discussion that it didn't happen in the NHL, it happened in international games. But when I heard that, I was like, oh my god, it's already been 10 years since that happened? Yeah, what's weird is like, yeah, that, that's fucking weird to me because it's like, I'm also going to get invited to like high school 10-year reunion. I'm like, high school's 10 years ago? 
Uh... <laughs> I know. That's a weird feeling, eh? And you know what? Everybody says that, too. When you get to, like, your 10-year reunion, it's like, holy crap, man. I've been out of high school that long. And then I realized, it's like, I don't think I've seen most of the people I went to high school with in a decade. No, I mean, you see the rare exceptions, like myself, but... Yeah, that's true. I don't see a lot of the people I went to high school with either, outside of yourself and a handful of people we hung out with, but eh, it's whatever, I guess. Yeah, like, I definitely got the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> NHL GMs have voted to amend the league's current offside rule to have a player ruled onside as long as the player has one skate above the vertical plane of the blue line. The league's current rule requires a player to have their back skate on the ice and or behind their blue line when the puck enters the offensive zone in order to be ruled onside. So I have a really this... no opinion on it, but I do see this screwing some team in the playoffs. This rule change. But at the same time, I think this is a lot... This ruling is a lot easier to enforce. It'll take a lot less time than the previous... whatever the hell they were doing with the skate. That is true. That is true. But you know what? And you can go back in the last number of years with these kind of rule changes is that it seems like it's fine and dandy and whatever to put the rule change in, but it's when it starts screwing teams. That's when people have a problem with it. But I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I have no real opinion on the matter. And I do agree with that. You said that it should be easier to manage. And especially if you're looking at it from the highlights, but I don't know. These kind of rule changes, I've always had the belief it will screw some team, though. And I'm not going to be surprised oh, if sure. this does it. It'll screw someone, but I think this one will be a lot easier to get right. Because, like, a plane like football is a lot less fiddly than, well, is this skate down or not? And I think that's the value of the rule, is it's less fiddly. So, Tim, you know, over the last several weeks and almost a month now, like this whole thing with the coronavirus, it's really got people up in arms and, you know, people are holding toilet paper and hand sanitizer and all that stuff. And even the professional sports leagues now are implementing rules and they're implementing, you know, things to uh, over concerns about the spread of this coronavirus. And the NHL is also taking precautions too because – NHL employees have been barred from business trips outside of North America due to concerns over the spread of the COVID-19, a.k.a. coronavirus. If they choose to travel on their own accord, they will be subject to a two-week quarantine upon their arrival. And you know what? You can look at sports, and there's a number of stories out there of all four of the big sports leagues here in North America trying to fight this. And I was just reading today that Juventus, the Italian soccer team, like they played in front of an empty crowd. They played in front of nobody because of this. Now, I understand in Europe it's much more prevalent because they're so close to China and these kind of countries that you get the, the well, coronavirus Italy spread. Well, has been ground zero. Italy's completely locked down at this point. Yeah, so that's kind of, that, like those kind of countries I can see. But there's also concerns here in North America about it, and especially in the third game we got to talk about tonight versus the Sharks, is that the county that the Sharks play in, they even went to the team and says, you know what, like we have concerns, you should cancel. And the Sharks have said, said no. Yeah, and uh, 
that's the hard thing is like you have to balance like what you think the risk is and the damage versus figuring out how to suppress it because I know the Japanese J League baseball teams are playing in front of empty stadiums at this point. But it's really tough in North America, especially because it's like I don't know if it's going to be like I think it'll be a big deal for American cities, but like within the rural US it's like it probably won't it'll be hard to see how it spreads just because of the distance, right? But again, you can't take that risk with something that is insanely infect infectious and like yeah, if it's as bad as it is in, say, Italy, Japan, and South Korea, then, yeah, maybe it is time to start playing in front of empty stadiums. Yeah, excuse me, because I know that the NBA has even talked about that, too, and I saw that somebody asked LeBron James about that, and LeBron says, well, you know what? If they're not going to allow the fans in, then I'm not playing. Like, the reason why I play is for the fans. And if they can't come to watch his play, then I'm not playing. And I can understand that mindset, but I also understand the concerns from these pro leagues because, and the NHL is starting to do this now, where they're not even allowing a pl- in, in players, um, reporters into the locker room post-game now yeah. because of these concerns. Well, it's like, the thing is, especially at the stadium, is like, if you've got 18,000 people, like, brushing past each other, grabbing for hot dogs and shit, that's a ripe ground for infection. And it's interesting because uh, I was hanging out with a bunch of friends on Friday night and we went out for food and we went to a Chinese place in Chinatown. It's usually a pretty busy spot. Dead. Yeah, because people are taking this racist stand that, well, you can't get the coronavirus if you, if you don't go to Chinese restaurants. And it's like, okay, that's but not... I mean, this restaurant is usually frequented by Chinese people. Oh. So all the Chinese people... It's Chinese people aren't going to restaurants because they're afraid of getting the disease. Oh, okay. Sorry, I took that completely the different wrong way. I no, 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 no. I took that yeah, no, as you're saying it was completely dead of everybody. Yeah, yeah, there was like maybe a handful of people because it's this is like an up and like a straight up Cantonese restaurant run by Cantonese people where most of the menu is in Cantonese. Right. And yeah, when your main demographic is definitely afraid that they're going to spread it especially with a bunch of them have, they do have family that comes in from Hong Kong. Yeah, they're not going out. And it was funny, there's uh, one of my favorite bands in Japan, they had, they canceled their concert, so what they did instead is they just did a live stream of, uh, of a jam session. That's actually kind of cool, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not something you could really do for a hockey game. Because, like, with the jam sesh, they can interact with the fans, and in some, like, in some ways, it's not as intimate because you're not with the band, but they can respond to you a bit easier. So it's like it's a really, it's a really cool, happy medium. But yeah, it's like this, like the coronavirus. It's, it's a big deal. Like stock markets have crashed over it. Yeah, well, even here in here on the island, like you know, you have all the cruise ships and all the those kind of ships that, you know, they're bringing freight over, like, they're pretty much stopping all of that. Yeah, and, like, this is basically the second largest economy on Earth is not running for three months. That's going to cause a recession because it's going to screw up your supply lines. And financial markets are reacting accordingly, and I don't, because, well, where's all that value just straight up gone. And, uh, I don't think interest rates, interest rate cuts aren't 
aren't going to do all that much to stabilize the bleeding, to be honest. Because I'm not sure there's any way that you can stimulate capital investment when the cause is a pandemic. So, Tim, we just spent the last couple of minutes talking about the coronavirus and the effects it's having on sports in general. I think it's time to turn our attention back to hockey because we still got a couple of stories to talk about. Montreal Canadiens general manager Mark Bergevin has confirmed that head coach Claude Julien will return as the team's head coach next season. Julien, who was hired by Montreal's head coach in 2017 following his firing from Boston, has recorded a 120-105-31 record as head coach at the time of the story. So hold on a second. Man, hold on. Hold, hold on I, a second. Someone here. had the confidence in me. Like, the Bolson family has confidence in Bergen Vane. That would just do so much for my self-esteem. I'm sorry, just... Are you trying to tell me there's a general manager that's telling a head coach he's coming back next year as head coach and not being fired? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to react about this, Tim. Usually with these kind of stories, I get to say you're fired, but but he, he's don't. returning... I don't, don't I don't, you have a pleasant you're hired voice? No, I, I, I don't know. I'm thrown out of... <sighs> Do you have to say you're fired to get out of my system? Maybe a little one. Okay. You're fired! But not really. I don't know. It, you know, made me happy. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'm not surprised that Bergevin is bringing him back because... I Look, I'm not putting this on Claude Julien. He's only coaching the team Bergevin is giving him. Bergevin is not giving him a great team to work with. No. It's not like what Sweeney and those guys did in Boston where they gave him a really good team to work with. Bergevin is not doing that with Julian Montreal. You know, with these kind of stories, I mean, I could pretty much say that, oh, yeah, well, Julian should have been fired because he's not getting the most out of the players he's given. Look at the roster he's given. Yeah, like, what the fuck is that? I don't think he could have motivated them if he threw shitloads of millions of dollars at them. Well, I mean, I don't think it's a motivation problem with that team. It's just the talent's not there. That's true. Maybe, well, that's right. He did throw a million dollars at them to motivate them. Because, hmm. like, the, your best your best player is Thomas Tatar at 22 goals. No, no, don't you mean Thomas Tatar? Thomas Tatar. But, uh, yeah, it's like Thomas Tatar followed by Philip Deneau. The talent level just dropped right there. There is quite the gap between Tatar and uh, Deneau. Yeah, and, like, Max Domi isn't, like, he's sophomore slump. Gallagher's not doing much. Uh, Kota Kamani had a rough year. Yeah. So it's just... Kovachuk like, seemed to do well when they dealt him away to Washington because... I guess George McPhee or whoever the GM in Washington is decided he wanted to recreate NHL 10. Hey, NHL 10 was sick. Yeah, that's true. NHL 10 was really solid. I have to say 12 was still my favorite, but, you know, 10 was really, really good. Yeah, although four points in six games, not bad for Kovalchuk. Yeah, it's pretty good, man. I, I'm a happy. Yeah, it's better than this 9-17. and 17. Yeah, that's true. New York Islanders defenseman Johnny Boychuk took a skate blade to the eye during their team's game versus Montreal. Boychuk took to Twitter to thank everyone for the positive messages and thoughts while jokingly added his late response was due to their facial recognition not working on his phone. 
So I understand there's not much to the story, but I really wanted to add that because I love, I love his response to this. I saw that and I laughed. I was like, that is hilarious. Do you think he'll like join back the team when he's all good wearing an eye patch and then just throw it off dramatically? Yes. Yes, I do. Amazing. Yeah. What's him? That round? Oh, wait a minute. Ugh. We don't have to talk about it. Tim, you remember last week that I used the Kirby Enthusiasm theme when talking about the Ottawa Senator story? Uh-huh. Oh, fuck, I can't believe I did this a second tweet. I'll just, I'll just hit replay. Ready? Yeah, yeah. Here we go. The Ottawa Senators have fired CEO Jim Little for conduct inconsistent with the core values of the Ottawa Senators and the NHL. Little, who was hired by the Senators in early January, lasted 54 days on the job as CEO of the Senators. Well, it's like... It is. There's so many layers to the story, hardcore. too. Because, like, you, on top of the, like, the fact that, like, dude went from zero to, like, just, like, swearing up and down at not only Melanie, but other people in the department within two months is frightening. From what I understand, he didn't curse at other employees, it was just Melnick himself, which he later came up and apologized about, which Melnick, I think from what I understood, accepted, but then fired him anyway. Well, I mean, if you went from, like, zero to nuclear at your boss in two months, holy shit. But then there's also, apparently, uh, lawyers found, uh, Allegations of abusive behavior towards his wife, sorry, his ex-wife, although Little disputes it, that the senators are either alleging they didn't find, or as people less charitable, the senators are saying they found it but didn't care at the time. Yeah, and this is the thing that I don't understand about this part of the story, is that the NHL has all these people that could look into things like this. How did they not find these allegations against Jim Little again, if that was actually the case? Like, I'm not saying Jim Little didn't do it, but still, all I'm saying is that if there was something there, the NHL would have found it. Like, the counter-argument, I guess, is they brought it up during the hiring process, and he assured them that, yeah, I didn't do it, I'm a cool guy, and then he goes zero to nuclear in two months. Which doesn't end it. And they're like, oh shit, he probably did it. That's the charitable take towards the senators. True, but you know what? And there was a lot of people on Sense Twitter that really didn't know whose side to take in all of this because most of the stuff that I was seeing is that, yeah, Jim Little should have done it, but we really don't want to have to side with Melnick on this because we don't like him. I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things. I've never seen Seth's Twitter so confusing and just divided. They don't know how to react to this. It's like, uh, how, how, how do we react to this? Yeah. But this is what makes the Batman comment so weird. Because Batman basically downplaying it as if it was just some sort of internal matter when it's Oh, here's this guy who went 0 to 60 on his boss. Sorry, 0 to 100 on his boss in 
two months. Also, ha there is some public trail abuse. That's kind of fucked up. But that is true. That is true. But you know what? Yeah, I don't know. It, it does make B Batman's comments really weird. But the one thing that I know that, from what I understand, is that one of the comments little made to Melnick is that the best thing Melnick can do for the Ottawa Senators is to disappear for 12 months. And I'm thinking, in fairness, Eugene Melnick has pretty much stayed out of the spotlight pretty consistent over the past season. Well, Tom, it's funny because for the past season, you're right, Melnick hasn't really showed up in until this Jim Little thing kind of dragged him back in. Yeah, or even with the, uh, the pilot as well. Yeah, well, even with this situation, it's not like Melnick went and found a microphone. This was a, P a PR firm obviously wrote up the statement. That's true, and that's... Look, if you want to find dirt on Melnick, it's not like it's not out there. Like, you know, outside the gym and stuff. Like we said, there was the stuff with the pilot, there was paying a bank with a bank draft... Or paying the casino with a bank draft... Stuff like that. And, yeah, it, it, like, I do, I do agree that he has pretty much stayed out of the spotlight. He hasn't gone to a microphone. And yet this comes out. But yet, Meldick hasn't gone to a microphone and said anything. Yeah, it's like, what the hell can you actually explain? The guy's sadly on his best behavior in years. Sadly. Sadly, I know, and next week, a little teaser for next week, Tim, is that Peter Loyal was also uh, let go by the Senators as well. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, like... I'm so glad we're going to get very, very much of good use out of this tribute enthusiasm that we're playing. Pretty much. Okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and stop that. Okay, Tim, so that wraps up Top of the Air for this week, which can mean only one thing. It's time to go into the games. Now, we got three games to talk about. We've got the Sens versus the Penguins, Islanders versus the Senators, and Tank Bowl from the Shark Tank. Sens versus Sharks. But before we do that, let's hit the music. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Penguins. This is a 7-3 Penguins victory. Sens goes recorded by Chase Harlock, the real American Brady Chuck, and Connor Brown. Penguins goes recorded by Brian Russ with the hat trick, John Marino, Connor Sherry, Sidney Crosby, and Jason Zilker. Now, I would have said shots were this to this, but I actually kind of failed to mention bring this up in my notes. So... The Pittsburgh did outplay the Senators throughout this game. The Penguins' offense got going immediately, scoring twice in the first minute and getting the third by the end of the first. Ottawa's game got going at times, scoring a couple of goals along the way. However, it was not enough as Pittsburgh cruised to a 7-3 Penguins victory. So, this is kind of weird because I did watch the first period and I condensed watch the rest because I'm thinking, it's 7-3. I'm not sitting through this. But Honestly, you didn't miss much. But... From what I understand, and from what I was seeing on the condensed version, and of course from the first period, is that it was 90s night in Pittsburgh. And a couple of things I really noticed, obviously, when talking about certain hockey arenas that we see the games in, I always tend to notice some music cues or whatever they're playing. 
And because it was 90s night, I liked the music selection they played. Like, they were using, no doubt, Spiderwebs, which is actually a really good tune. Uh, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, I'm not a super, super big fan of them. But the one song, it's, it's okay. Uh, Pearl Jam's Alive, they played in the third period. But the best thing of the night for me, and you know I like my wrestling. Guess what wrestling theme they used for their penalty kill song? The Real American? Nope. Stone Cold Steve Austin's. Nice. I was like, that is awesome. I love the fact when arenas do that. It's like arenas that use Triple H as the game theme. Hey, you know what, Tim? I'm just thinking that would be a really great thing for a game segue song. Be a good theme. Hmm. One thing that really sucks about this game is Arminismo went down in the first shift of the game. As soon as I saw that, I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm not sitting through this game today. Yeah, it was rough. And I, you can't blame Anderson on a lot of those goals, but at an 800 save percentage, he wasn't giving the team much of a chance. Exactly. Let's just say that. And I had, you know what's funny? I have that in my notes with his 28 saves, a point eight hundred save percentage. I do agree. Like, his defense did leave him out to dry at times, but he did not do himself any favors in this. There were some shots you saw that and be like, Andy, you should have had that. Yeah. Like, the Marino goal that opened the game is definitely one of those. Yep. And, like, when a game opens like that, you just kind of know it's going to be one of those. Uh, I actually like Jace Hirelook's goal and kind of his play in general. Yeah, he's been a guy that, I don't know, maybe I've noticed that since Twitter's talking about a little bit more and more nowadays, but for me, his play is kind of going a little bit under the radar. And actually, one thing I liked in the third game is I do like the play of the fourth line. And I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's... Uh, Pekka, Bodker, and Sabern? Yes. Yeah, I actually don't mind. That's a, It's a decent energy line, and I'm not expecting any offense out of them, so I'm fine with them. But going back to this game, I have a couple of notes I do want to talk about. You mentioned that the, Ra- the Real American. we got to talk about Brady Chuck. One goal and five shots. These are the kind of games I'm very happy that he's on our team because from what I've been seeing in the condensed version, even though... The Senators are down by a number of goals. Brady always keeps fighting. He always keeps working. Now, given that you you did watch this whole game, is that something that you noticed as well in this game? Yeah, and I feel like both him and Connor Brown kind of have that never-say-die attitude. And uh, it's definitely good to see that if things aren't rolling the way for the Sens, they'll kind of knuckle down. Now, Connor Brown didn't have the best game. Uh, it wasn't sidestepped here, but... It, wasn't Connor Brown's best work, but even though things were kind of going sideways, he was still going out and skating, which is definitely nice. I actually, I liked Colin White's body of work this game. Like, it wasn't flashy, but it was solid. And this is a player that you've been bringing up the last couple of episodes here, is that he's somebody that since Twitter don't doesn't always bring up, and given that earlier this season when he was really struggling offensively, the sentence fan base was really on him but Colin White is somebody that I know you've been on him for his really solid play so I'm really glad that you're giving him some credit uh Connor Brown one goal and one shot I gotta say that was a nice shot that went in oh that was so good and he perfectly put that but one player and I know that even I have been hard on him a little bit this season was Thomas Shabbat now even when he had an assist and he had one goal from what I was seeing, and I understand that I'm sure fatigue is really setting in with him right now, but I just feel in this game he never got his game going at all. 
No, and honestly, the fact that he actually managed to keep Sidney Crosby's line to pretty even on the fancy stats, game well done for Thomas Shabbat, but yeah, you're not getting anything more than game well done if you're going up against the Crosby line. So I think, like, Thomas Shabbat played well enough. Yeah, and it's really tough for Shabbat because, and I know that we've talked about so much already, is that his energy management. And I know that because the Senators have next, next to no talent on the roster on the back end to help him. So I kind of get why he has to play so many... At least he only played 25 minutes this game. That's true, but you know what? It's those kind of games where you really tell the fatigue is really setting in with him now. Yeah. The, the funny thing is, is he wasn't even on the goal for... He wasn't on the ice for most of the goals against. Zaitsev had an adventure. Alright, what was his stats? Uh, he was on the ice for... He had an assist, was on the ice for one more goal, and uh, that's five against. Tim, how many more years do we have on this contract? Like four. Hmm. So Zaitsev had an adventure. Why can't he play like this during like the Tank Bowl games? This is a Tank Bowl. Well, this is a Tank game. All games are tank games, Tay. Don't be silly. Yeah, that's a good point. So, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make on this game before we head on to the second of the evening? Um, not really. <clears throat> I think the only comment I want to make is that I still like those Penguin jerseys, man. Those are really nice. Oh, one thing I do want to comment about. The fact that they had a callback to NHL 94 on social media was pretty fun. I know, that was so good. You know what, though? I It's funny, you know, when it talks about NHL 94, and you talk about the Blackhawks or some of the teams you have in there, Pittsburgh was actually really good on NHL 94. Because they would have had Yager at that point, right? That first line, if you were to do no line changes, I think it was... Uh, fuck, would have been? Stevens, Lemieux at center, and I think Yager on the other line, on the other side. Oh, Jesus. Or what? Or you could have switched Stevens out and put Ron Francis on there. Oh, yeah. I forgot that GMs are often retired hockey players. I know. It's weird, eh? Yeah. Islanders versus Senators. This is a 4-3 Senators victory. Islanders goals are scored by Anders Lee, Matthew Barzell, and Ryan Pollock. Senators goals are scored by Connor Brown, Miguel Bacher, Anthony Duclair, and the real American, Brady DeChuck. Shots were 40-29 for the Islanders. Anders Lee opens the scoring to make it 1-0 Islanders, with Barzell flipping the puck to him from behind the net and puts it under the bar. Connor Brown ties the game at 1, cleaning up the initial point shot. Matt Barzell scores to make it 2-1 Islanders with a well-placed shot. Bacher scores on a beauty back end to tie the game at 2. Anthony Duclair races down the wing and puts it top corner to make it 3-2 Senators. Brady DeChuck snipes one top corner, 4-2 sends, and Ryan Pollock hammers one from the point to, that squeaks in to make it 4-3 centers, which would be the final. So this is the game I did have a condensed watch because it was my 28th birthday that night. So yeah, like, yeah. I, like I said in early in the episode, like I went out for a cup of beers and then the next night I had birthday dinner, so didn't get a chance to sit down. And I'm kind of disappointed I did it because... Not only did the Senators get a win on my birthday, it was the return of Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Made his return to Ottawa as an Islanders with three shots. There's one play in particular I want to talk about, and I didn't see this in a condensed game, but I did see this on the highlights. His hit from behind on Thomas Chabot. 
And Chabot yeah, was, was not happy about that when he came back up. No. That was kind of a shitty hit. But at the same time, can we talk about maybe that Pajot is cursed? Yes, because from what I understand that everybody's been talking about on Twitter is that the New York Islanders have been struggling since Pajot arrived in Long Island. They have yet to win a game. Well, Ottawa has been winning a few. You know, I'm just thinking about this, you know, because Eric Carlson went to San Jose and they're really struggling right now. Jean-Gabriel Pajot went to the Islanders and they're currently struggling. What do those two things have in common, Tim? But Vegas has Mark Stone and, Mar- and they're killing it. Yeah, of course you had to bring that up. No, the, the key of this whole story, Tim, and the moral I'm trying to bring up, we've got their first round picks this year. Oh, hey, that's pretty sweet. I know. Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me, I'll tell you. Not me. But uh, this was just a complete team effort for the Senators. Uh, I wasn't happy. Like, ice time was kind of, distribution was kind of kind of not good. But uh, one thing I do want to talk about is Duclair's first goal on a real goalie in a long time. I know, and I have it in my notes too. Anthony DeClaire, one goal and six shots. It's great to see that he is really getting the confidence back in his offensive game after the 20-game goal of streak he went on earlier this Especially, season. Especially, and that is a goal that only a confident scorer makes. Like, he pulls the puck back in through the triangle, and it's perfectly placed. Like, you wouldn't believe that player's been on a 20-game drought. Because that was just pure skill. Oh my god, was it ever. Oh, oh, Anthony, my boy. I'm so happy you're back. Yeah. One guy in particular I do want to talk about because he had a huge back, bounce back game in this. Craig Anderson. 37 saves, a .925 save percentage. Now, I know that you watched this game, and given that this was a bounce back for Craig Anderson, overall, how do you feel he played in this game? I felt he played good, but I think... Surprisingly, the Ottawa defense, they made his load pretty light for a 37-shot game. And then part of it was just, New York, that team is, that's a team that it has some problems right now. Like, they had a really hard time stringing rushes together or really maintaining zone time. Like, they were just kind of hard to watch. So there's a couple more players I want to talk about. As we said in the last game, Connor Brown, one goal and five shots. For me, this is another solid performance in this game. Yeah, and it was the Senators checked hard and they really controlled the pace of the game at times. Which, I mean, is bad if you're looking for tank bowl, but it was weird because it was just a really interesting. Ottawa came out with a lot of energy and New York didn't. And uh, one thing I do want to talk about is Man, that tribute video was really nice. I love the fact that this is probably the loudest I've heard the Sens fans be all year was the Pajot, 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 Pajot chant going. I was like, oh, it's so good to hear that again. And I love the fact that the Islander fans actually started that in Pajot's first game at home versus, or again, with the Islanders. Well, he's giving them stuff to cheer about. Yeah, he's giving us stuff to cheer about, too. Look at that first-round pick we've got. Yeah. 
I'd love to still have Pajot on the team, but it's $6 million. I know. Another guy who, this offseason, he's going to get paid is the real American Brady Chuck. One goal on two shots. For me, it's always great to see him score because you've seen in this season that a number of chances he had that just don't go in. And, of course, with that goal, he got his 20th of the season, which is his back-to-back 20th goals, 20 goal seasons. I'm thinking about this in the offseason when it comes to contract negotiations because, you know, we were talking about Anthony Duclair's 20-game goal streak, and we said that the leverage now is more towards the Senators in contract negotiations. Brady to Chuck, pretty good chance he could use this as leverage to get a new contract this year. I think he probably gets a pretty similar contract to the one that his brother signed. And I think the Sens have a really good comparable there. Yeah, because like his brother. their stat lines are really similar. Because like uh, in his second season in the NHL, Matthew in sixty-eight games, twenty-four goals, twenty-five assists for fifty points. Yeah, and I think Brady has what forty-two. 41 and 69 games. So he's going to come in nice. pretty close. That's true, but you also, you could look at it from stats-wise, but you also look at it from more of the intangibles, right, of what he brings emotionally and physically on the ice. Yeah. So I can see Brady Kachuk getting into, like, the 7 million range. That's true, but the thing is, like, do you really want to pay a guy $7 million who only gets you 45 points a season, even if it is Brady Tuchuk? Well, the thing is, is if he's doing this at 19... I think... And, he has a, and we have his brother following a very... He's, him and his brother are fair, following a very similar growth trajectory to their dad. We're talking about the next year. Matthew scored 77, which is similar to what his dad scored. Uh, I think I a 7 million contract is perfectly fine. That's true. That's true, but I'm, I'm also looking forward in a couple of years when the Senators get good and they know how to really, really build a team around these guys. Is that how big of a... Like, I understand that it's like, what? If you give Brady 7 mil, that's 15 between him and Shabbat. That's a pretty good chunk of change for two guys. Now, in fairness, we're not the Leafs who have $40-something million tied in four players. We're not We're not that stupid. Well, the other thing is, like, $7 million for a first, like, for, like, in the 5 to $7 million range for a first, second-line winger, that's right on the money. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I'll be perfectly happy when Brady Chuck gets that contract extension, but the only question for me at the moment is, it makes it tougher for me this coming off season when it comes to me buying a new Sens jersey because, you know, Brady. I've always said if Brady Tuchuk signs his extension, I will buy a Tuchuk jersey because the last two players that I bought with their name on it, neither of them are in Ottawa right now. <laughs> and I was thinking, I was like, you know, do I really want to get a Brady jersey because, you know, my track record with the other two. But you know what? Say Brady signs his extension, and say in about a month or so. We win something. God, I can't remember off the top of my head what that would be. It makes it tougher because there's two possible players that I could be getting a new jersey of. That's fair. Yeah. But at the same time, I think Brady Kachuk, there's 
a built-in comparable for Brady Kachuk, and we know what his salary is going to be? Yeah, because they play very similar style. Even though I think Matthew is more physically, not physically, um, offensively gifted than Brady is. But I think you're right, though. Both of them have a lot of comparables, and, you know, it's all in the bloodline, man. Yeah, so, uh, and honestly, $7 million for a first, second line winger is on the money. Because, like, Gaudreau is at six. Like it's not like we're it's not like we're giving someone martyr money here. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, one final player I do want to talk about: Thomas Shabbat, four shots. Not like I said. I know you watched this game. Uh, what kind of a? How did you feel about his play? Because overall, from what I was seeing of the condensed version, outside of him getting hit from Pajo from behind, didn't notice him in this game. It was a good game by by Shabbat. Honestly, it was strong skating, moving the puck well. Uh, didn't sh- don't think it showed up on the scoreboard, but honestly, very good pr- pressure. He just played too much. So Tim, I have no more comments. You want to? I have. There's no more comments I want to say about this game. If you want to head on to the third and final game of the evening, um, it's not a comment about the game per se, but uh, this is the first game where uh, it, users of hockey of hockey biz will notice a small update on the charts and that's mostly the shot tide is now colored with the team with it with a color for each team so it's a lot easier to read mm-hmm. and it looks really nice so uh yay solid so tim prepare yourself for tank bowl <laughs> So, Tim, you remember when I was saying that I wasn't going to rip off Uriani Tree by stealing his meme? I lied. It's time for Tank Bowl, Tim. Sens versus Sharks. This is actually a 2-1 Sens overtime victory. Again, I failed to actually put that in my notes, but good thing I still remembered. Sens goes to score by Nick Paul and Chris Tierney in overtime. Sharks goes to score by Evander Kane. Shots were 39-31 for the Sharks. A uneventful game overall. Both teams got a number of chances in this game, which resulted in both teams getting scoring. Both teams getting goals with former Shark Chris Tierney potting the OT winner. Holy fuck, was this a boring game. No kidding. But, do you want to talk about Radom Simek? You mean the guy who just got a contract extension from the Sharks? Which we'll talk about on next week's episode? Not this week's episode? No, I want to talk about this guy having... The biggest brain fart I have ever seen in an NHL game. Oh my god, that was funny. It starts with him kicking the goal in, kicking a puck into the net for a disallowed goal for San Jose. And then literally next play, he swipes a, a puck off of the goal line and gives Tierney a penalty shot. I mean, granted... He did save a goal. Granted, he was cheating. But it's just like, man, I have never seen one player involved in both scoring a non-goal and then making it a legal hand save. And you know what the Sharks did in response? They gave him a contract extension. Yeah. I mean, it's like, that is galaxy brain hockey right there. I know. And that's one of the things that, that was probably the only thing of note of this game. 
But there were a couple of players that we got to mention. Of course, Craig Anderson, 30 saves, a .968 save percentage. When the Sharks did apply pressure, Craig Anderson was there to make some key saves for the Sens. And what's funny is Aaron Dell on the other side of the ice also had a really good game. And that's something that you cannot say about the Sharks this season. Like, Dell had a .947. Yeah, and in fairness, like, the goals that Pohl and Tierney scored were not bad goals. Like, they were well-placed shots, especially the next Paul one. One goal and four shots. And like I said, he was just in such a perfect position to pot that goal. Well, once he, when Duclair got that saucer pass off, you knew it was going in. That is true. Oh, my God, that was so nice. Actually, do you want to quickly talk about Anthony Duclair? Because he, even though he had one shot... He had two assists two in the game. Assists. And it's crazy. You know, we talk about him with his 20-game goalless streak and his play. A lot of people were criticizing him offensively. And we, you and I always defended him, saying, like, watch him play the full 200 game and the plays that he's making. This was another game that, that just proved what we were saying. Because it's these kind of games that you show, even though in games he doesn't score, you see that he can be very unselfish on this team. Well, the other thing is, the hockey IQ is definitely starting to come around, and there's twenty ga- sorry, 18 games left in the season. If he can get a point, if he gets a point or two in every other game, it's going to be a 50-point season for Duclair. He's, all, he's, four, he's four points off his career best. It's already a career season in goals. I think we're seeing the promise that Anthony Duclair showed in that age 20 season in Arizona. Yeah, and he's just building on what he worked for last season, too. Yeah, so it's I'm really happy with uh, his production this game because he was all over the puck. And, yeah, I think he was, besides maybe Thomas Shabbat, I would say he was one of the hardest-working senators this game. Yeah, and this is a game that, even though I don't have him in my notes, Shabbat, I did feel, got his game going a bit in this game. And it's really nice to see that these are the kind of games where especially after the games previous where you can tell that he's really trying to conserve his energy and he's the energy management and all that stuff. But you see when you see him make those kinds of rushes, those kind of offensive plays, those are the kind of plays that you watch and you're just like, okay, this is why we like watching Thomas Shabbat every night. Well, here's the thing. The Senators have another option on left defense with Christian Willanen back. Yeah, and you know what's funny? It's, it's, it's interesting you brought up Christian Rolanen because he's somebody that I knew he was coming back, but I didn't really know he was playing. There was like maybe one shift I saw him in this game. He played 16 minutes, and he looked good doing it. Really? Yeah, so it's like he, he wasn't the best on the shot clock. That's going to happen in your in your first game back, but he wasn't awful. So I think like this... I think it's going to be an easing back in for Willannon, and he didn't look out of place playing 16 minutes, and I think this really helps to manage. Like, if Willannon can play 17 minutes, Riley can play 17, like, seven, if Willannon can get up to 16 to 20 minutes, Riley keeps playing in that 19, 20-minute window, Shabbat can stay in your 23. And he'll have a healthy amount of ice time for the rest of the season. Yeah. Actually, one final comment I have on this game I want to talk about is the fourth line. The Bodker, 
Matthew uh, Matthew Packa and Scott Saturn. I mentioned that earlier in this episode already. I actually didn't mind him in this game, and I felt that when they were on the ice, you could definitely tell that they were around applying pressure to the Sharks' defense. Yeah, and that was it was nice to watch because it it's good seeing it's it's always good seeing guys able to play. Although it's I've got a feeling that I'm not sure about Pekka, but I have a feeling both Bodker and Saberin aren't going to be back next year. Yeah, that that is true. I mean, Bodker absolutely he's not coming back because you know that he was in Smitty's doghouse all year. Sabrin. He's fine for a one-year guy. I don't see them bringing him back. Matthew Peck, Matthew Peck is going to be an interesting one because it's going to all depend on where in the depth chart he's going to be this offseason. Because and it, he's a centerman, correct? Yeah. Okay. Well, you, remember, Norris is coming in. Logan Brown is still exists, but there's got to be space for Batherson. We've got two or three first-round draft picks coming in. Yeah, so it, it'll really, really depend where he's in the depth chart. And even if he's in Belleville and we bring him up as a depth guy, then I'm fine with it. Yeah, because it's going to be interesting to see who is... Because I have a feeling that higher luck will probably be this the 13th forward if he sticks around. Kachuk staying. Kachuk, White, Tyranny, Ryan, Ryan Balsers... Brown, Declare, definitely, and Paul, even Paul is probably locked in. Yeah. Uh, and Isamov will probably be here too. So that's three slots and four if you open up the 13th forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's going to be tight because you're absolutely right because we have those three firsts this year and potentially a number one pick out of the, any of those. <coughs> so it will be interesting to see how the depth works for next season. But I think the next season is going to be one of those years that – it's definitely going to be one of two things. It's either going to be we take one step forward, two steps back, or we're going to have a really big building block from this year to next year. Yeah, and I think what will also need to happen, we'll probably see some transition on defense. Like we'll see Lassie Tom, probably Lassie Thompson come in. Or Bernard Docker. Or Bernard Docker. And you know what? And I was uh, thinking about this. Do you think maybe that's why they've dealt Dylan DeMello? It's because they feel that either Bernard Docker or Lassie Thompson is ready to come over? Next season? I think so. And then, like, in your seventh your seventh defenseman spot's probably taken by Borbietsky or Riley. And then you got Shabbat, Willen, and Brandstrom on the left side. So, like, the Senators have the making of a very strong D-line at this point. The crease actually looks pretty good between Nilsson and Hogberg. And, and honestly, I think that the big weakness for me uh, is still right shot because, yes, you have uh, Zaitsev and... Yes, you could probably bring Lassie Thompson or Bernadocker over, but I feel that if coming into this draft, I would like to see the Senators go after another right shot defenseman, and if we get one in the top four or five, depending on where, because I know LA will probably take him, is Jamie Drysdale. I would yeah. like to see Ottawa go after Jamie uh, Drysdale. We have three firsts. You you could take two of the best guys, take two of the best guys at the board, and then you can still. Well, the other thing is, at this point it may even be worth trading some of those seconds to move the firsts up. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ottawa does that too, right? Because depending on where we finish at the end of the season, we could be second, maybe third place in the second round. So you could potentially trade up to one of like the 
you know, the conference final scenes or even the teams in the finals and try and get a fourth first out of that. Or even package an extra first and a second and move into the top three. Yeah, it'll, it'll really all depend on the draft lottery, though, in a few weeks. Yeah, and... Fingers crossed, number one. Fingers crossed. But yeah, like, Josh Norris looked really good in his few games here as well, so... Yeah, the future's definitely looking bright for us right now. Yeah, I, I'm excited. Absolutely. So, Tim, do you have any comments you want to make on this game before we head off into the close for another evening? Nope. Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network, where you can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can find us on Twitter at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger and at Matt Greatway Gipster, GR8, WATE Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the games, top of the hour, or you want to talk about how next week we've got a double tank bowl, shoot us an email, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. So, Tim, let's go on and talk about the games for this coming week because, as, as I said, we don't got one tank bowl, we got a double tank bowl! Tuesday, we are in Anaheim to play the Ducks. Wednesday, we are in Los Angeles to play the Kings. And Saturday, we go to the Windy City to play Zach Smith and the Chicago Blackhawks. They'll all be trash games and I'll love every minute. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. This has been Tim Jetsy. Go Sens, guys. <laughs>